Philippians chapter 4, starting at verse 10, and this is God's word. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You're indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty, and hunger, and abundance, and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me, giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my need once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases for your credit. I received full payment and more. I'm well supplied Having received from Ephroditus the gifts you've sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you your spirit. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the privilege to gather as a church this morning. We pray that you will continue to minister to us as we continue this time of worship. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would settle our hearts and minds and you would reveal what you are saying to us, not just individually but corporately. Protect us from distractions Help us to walk away knowing you more and your gospel more. And once again, Lord, I pray, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Um, Well, if you're visiting Canterbury Gardens particularly, we as a church have been deliberately taking our time going through the book of Philippians, and we have come to the very end. And for some of us, that's great. Uh, And for some of us, it's sad. Like me, I'm really a bit sad. Not that I'm not going to read Philippians again. I'm meant to be a pastor, and I should read the Bible a lot, apparently. So... But it's, it's a sad thing in some sense because, you, you, you know, it's been a joy. What's been a joy more than anything else uh, for the teaching team to go through this series has been the effect of seeing what God's Word is doing in people's lives. Uh, this past week, uh, I put up on our church members' Facebook page, I said, finish this sentence for me. God has taught me through the book of Philippians, dot, dot, dot. Someone put up that my circumstances shouldn't define my attitude. Somebody else put up that we're meant to be unified because of Jesus and for Jesus. Somebody else put up we are to stand for God together by His Spirit for support and strength in the hard times. And somebody else put up that our greatest joy is knowing Christ and making Him known. It's been a joy, really, to hear the stories and hear about what God's doing through His Word. And I would encourage you, as you have tea and coffee and donuts after the service in the midst of talking about the draw that Hawthorne had this past weekend and other things that are of great importance, uh, just maybe ask the question, hey, what has God been teaching you through the book of Philippians?
Uh, as an eldership team, uh, we've been praying and thinking about where God is leading us and what we might be doing as a next preaching and teaching series. Um, and we thought about doing, or not thought about, we've decided to do the book of 1 Peter. We did this about five years ago, but we're going to take a significant amount of time to spend in 1 Peter. I don't know about you, some of us, when we think about living in this world, some of us want to go to the hills. We want to go to our bunker, supply food, all of that set up, waiting for the return of Jesus. Some of us are right in the world and we're finding it really hard to live in this world. Well, 1 Peter actually tackles this. 1 Peter uses a language called exiles and talking to a bunch of Christians who are living in the world and saying, what does it look like to live as exiles for Christ in this world? So can you be praying for us who are going to be preaching through that series? Be praying for one another and be praying and and maybe even start reading and looking at 1 Peter. Next week on Sunday... We're going to gather as a church again, and we're going to spend time celebrating what God has been doing through the book of Philippians. There's going to be people sharing little reflections that God has taught them through God's word. There's going to be testimonies of how God has been using the gospel to change lives. So could you be praying for that service as well? It's going to be a wonderful time uh, of celebration. Uh, This morning, where I hope to go, or where I hope to land, are three parts. Firstly, I want us to unpack the secret of contentment. Secondly, I want us to think about the enemy of contentment. And finally, I want us to spend some time in reflection and prayer. So, the secret of contentment. Uh, A little while back, it was my birthday, and my family uh, all chipped in, and they decided to buy me a brand new TV. A Hisen flat screen, high definition, I don't know how many inches it is, but it's sufficient for our needs, and we got got the box out. I was very excited. My kids were even more excited, which means they can watch ABC for Kids um, as they gave this present to me. And I loved watching it. It was great, watching a TV show, watching the footy, and I loved just experiencing that. And then I had to go to JB Hi-Fi a few days later. And I walked into JB Hi-Fi, and then something caught my eye right in the corner here. I don't know if you've had this experience when you've seen something and you have like angelic voices in the background and you hear this, I turned around and there was this flat screen and I'm, I'm not sure if it's tinted in silver, but that's what it looked like around the edges, plasma. And then it had HD, then it had another D afterwards. And I looked at it and I went, why is it all of a sudden I want that one? Now, my wife's just found that out today, so we'll be talking about that afterwards. <laughs> I do appreciate what she's given me, by the way. But there was something in me that got restless. I just got a brand new TV. It was a gift given by my kids and my family, lovingly. But there was something in me that went, oh, it's not enough. I need that new one out there. Now, I'm guessing most of you, when you're hanging out together, you don't use this language of being discontent. It's not part of our um, normal kind of vocabulary. But we may use things like this, and particularly during school holidays, parents have heard this probably. I'm bored. I'm feeling a little bit restless. I don't know what's going on. I'm a bit restless. I don't know. I'm just not happy. I'm not happy with anything that's going on in my life right now. And I I understand that maybe you might be going through a deep season of sadness. I'm not trying to talk about that, but just this feeling of, ugh, 
It's just not happy. Oh, no, it's not fair. How come all those people are experiencing all these things and I'm not experiencing that same thing? It's just not fair. Why am I in this stage of life? I mean, that happens, right? We are constantly communicated and pushed to, um, to think and become discontent. We constantly um, preach messages all around us. I mean, how many of you, when you wake up in the morning, when you look in the mirror, you don't look at yourself and go, man, I've got an amazing body. If you do, I'd, I'd be very surprised. Most of us look and go, oh man, I wish. I wish I had this kind of a body. I wish I had did this. We may even look at our financial circumstances and you might be going through really tough financial situation, I understand that, but there's a sense where you go, oh, I wish, if only I had this much, then I'll be able to do this. We might feel like our jobs that we have, it's not enough. Maybe I can get this um, promotion to get here and eventually I get here. And you know what? The, the culture constantly is preaching the sermon to us to tell you to be discontent. I mean, the other day I had an email from uh, Apple. Dear Shabu, it was very personalized. I felt very loved. We've noticed that you have the iPhone 6S. I think that's how you call it. We have an offer for you. And all of a sudden I went, okay, I'm listening. I'm interested. They care for me. But imagine if iPhone, the CEO of iPhone, got up on stage, they did a big press conference, they invited everyone, everyone's excited to see what the new gadget will be, and they came up and said, ladies and gentlemen, we have iPhone, are content. We're not going to produce any more products. We're happy. We've made lots of money, we're content. It just would sound ridiculous, it would not make sense. But that's the culture we live in. So what you have in front of you, these statements being said by Paul, is actually very countercultural. It goes against every grain that's in front of you. See what Paul says in verse 10. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you revived your concern for me. You are indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know, sorry, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in, in every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, as we've been going through this letter, we've been uh, realizing the wonderful relationship that Paul has with this church. He deeply cares for them. He loves them. And not only that, this church has heard of a need. They know that Paul's in prison. And they sent someone by the name of Ephroditus to come and minister to Paul. To minister to his practical needs, but I think also his pastoral needs. And meets with their financial support. He knows how concerned they've been. And it's been shown in through Ephroditus. And so he's writing to thank them. Now, notice what Paul says. He could easily, towards the end of his letter, say, guys, just one other note. There's a few things coming up. I was wondering if I could raise some more support and wondering if you can send some more money for me. But notice what he says in verse 11. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, which is quite mind-blowing. He's in jail. He's restricted, but he's saying, I'm not being in need. 
For I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be low and I know how to bound in and in and every circumstance. I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Paul is very simply saying, but powerfully saying to this church, in whatever situation that he's faced in his life, he's learned the secret of contentment. That he knows that part of his call in this gospel work that God has called him to, this is part of his deliberate call, he knows that. He knows God has put him there in this place, in this moment even. And in that moment, he's learned the secret of contentment. And that word is like saying, despite of the external situation around him, he's independently just at peace and he's content. And then as you see the few verses following, he describes in detail all the different stages in his ministry life. Whether he has been brought low, meaning that he's experienced both physical and spiritual need, he's found the secret of contentment. Whether if it's been in a season of absolute abundance, he's found the secret of contentment. Whether if that means that he, in that moment he's facing challenges, uh, even being beaten for the sake of the gospel, he's learned the satisfaction of finding the secret of contentment in all circumstances. In all circumstances. Friends, I don't know if you noticed, but as we studied Philippians just a chapter beforehand, we, we read about Paul's life. He shared about his testimony, how he came to Christ. Can you just imagine this man who had everything? Even to the point of the money and the funds to be sent out to persecute the church. Then he encounters the living Lord Jesus Christ. And his whole life is completely transformed and changed. Being one of the most top class religious leaders, he becomes absolutely nothing. To having everything, he becomes nothing. Now, as you saw, we prayed for Wes and Esther, and every time we may have missionaries who have been sent out, we pray for them, we commission them to be sent out for the sake of the gospel. See, when Paul came to Christ, there was almost like a commissioning service for him. And the words that are said at this commissioning service is fairly powerful, and if I was Paul, I'd be checking out. This is what it says in Acts 9, chapter, uh, Acts 9 verse 15 and 16. It's up here on the screen. And it says, This is Jesus speaking. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is chosen, talking about Paul, chosen instrument of mine, to carry my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. For I will know him how much, I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Imagine being Paul, (laughs) being told this, in a sense, in his commissioning service. If I was Paul, I'd be like, Hey, look, thanks for giving me eternal life. I appreciate it. I'm going to check out. I'm just going to go and just hang out and just serve the local church is fine. But God had compelled him and God had called him to this. So he understood what it means to be up here and then be humble but low. And then he knows what it means to abundance. His ministry was fruitful. There's churches being planted. He's seeing fruit happening for the sake of the gospel. And all through that, no matter whatever season, he's finding the secret of contentment. Even in those seasons that he's financially being supported. But even in those seasons of physical hunger, there's another passage in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 11. It might be here up on the screen. It says, To the present hour we hunger and thirst. 
We are poorly dressed and buffeted and homeless. And even in that season, he's finding the secret of contentment. He's kind of displaying to this church, in whatever season I've been, I've learned the secret of contentment. What is that secret? It's not really that secret, is it? It's here in the verse in front of us, verse 13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. See, for Paul, the secret of contentment has come to realize for him in every situation, the power for him to be content is not him just trying to rely on himself, not kind of him just sucking it up, not him kind of stiff upper lip. It's where he gazes at the one, the Lord Jesus Christ, who empowers him, gives him strength to endure. In whatever season, that's his secret of contentment. That's a simple statement, but it is a powerful statement. Even for us today. Simply putting it, it's like saying, hey, look to Jesus who is able to help you be content. Now, there's a couple of us um, in this kind of type of audience. There are some of us who you might be on a journey of exploring the Christian faith. You may be trying to find out what the gospel is about, what this Jesus is about. You might be on that journey. You might be quite apathetic to it. You might be curious about it. I want you to know there's a part of you, and you probably know this in the deepest of souls, there's a discontent. You're not content. You're desiring to find contentment. And in whatever form, you're found, trying to find contentment in all the things that are around you. And they play out in different ways. You're trying to find contentment in different kinds of relationships and hopes that you can have. You're trying to find contentment in, uh, in finding the best partner or spouse, maybe the career, or maybe any X amount of dollars, maybe getting that magical house that you've always wanted. In the season of my life when I used to take drugs, I remember that there was moments where I would start with small, these kind of little drugs and eventually escalate was never enough. Friends, if that is you who's trying to discover the gospel and who Jesus, I want you to know the reason why you're still discontent is because you're meant to find contentment in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And that's only where you will find that contentment. And you may find contentment in other things, just, but it'll be just a short time. It won't be enough. We were designed to find contentment in Christ. There's this wonderful story in the Gospel of John where Jesus is interacting with a lady at the well. She's had multiple husbands. She's come to draw out water. Uh, and Jesus wants to minister to her by ministering to, uh, to her spiritual thirst. And he says this in John 4, verse 13 to 14. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The reason why there's this thirst in your discontentment is because you have been designed to be in relationship with a loving God, a loving Savior. But you rejected his loving authority in your life, and he's calling you back. And this is why you will only find true quenching for that spiritual soul thirst in you is only be found in Christ. So we want to welcome you. If you're here, if that's you, I would encourage you to chat to your friend who brought you along this morning. 
or maybe even come and chat to myself or, or anyone here at Canterbury Gardens who calls this church home, you can go up to them and ask them, who is Jesus? And they should be able to talk to you about who he is. What about those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus? This is true for us also. So the question we need to ask is, and I need to ask of myself, am I content or am I discontent? In whatever season of life I'm in, in whatever circumstances in front of me. Now, let's be honest. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. If you've grown up in the Christian circles, you've heard this verse. You probably memorized it. You might have even shared it. You may even have, if you're really, really awesome Christian, you might have a t-shirt with this on it. Or a mug. Or a bandana. I don't know how a form you might have. It's a verse that we know really well. You may even preach it to others. But friends, even in this verse, it's a reminder to us, even to you and to me, we do have an enemy of contentment. We do have an enemy of contentment. Do you want to know what the enemy of contentment is? Well, actually, verse 13 gives us a clue. It says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. If you want to know where the opposite of that or the enemy of that, it may read like this. I can do all things by myself, through myself, who strengthens myself. At the heart of it, the enemy of contentment ultimately is you and I, that wrestling deep down in our soul. Either we will say and look at our situation or circumstance, whether if we're in seasons of great blessing and abundance or seasons of want, we may look around and say, it's okay, I've got this, I don't need anybody's help, I can do this on my own. And look to ourselves for strength. Or we may be in a season of abundance and there's much going on and we turn around and go, look what I have achieved, look what I have done rather than looking to the one who has given you that strength to do that. It's in that moment when we turn our heart gaze away from the one who is there to give you strength in all your circumstances and turn our gaze to ourself or our circumstance. Now here is a man, Paul, who's writing this letter to a church. He's been in every situation that you can imagine. Lots of abundance, lacking lots of things. And he's found the secret. What could that look like? Well, I wonder in that moment for Paul is if he is in jail and he's got not much going on for um, kind of financial support and he's in need, even in that simple moment, he can actually turn around and go, look to Jesus and say, Jesus, give me the strength I know. Because you know why? I have actually a lot. Did we not learn in Philippians that he, we are all citizens of heaven who have a relationship with Christ? So Paul knows. Maybe in those seasons of abundance, he's learned in that moment to go, hey, knowing that all of this is actually not even from anybody else, it's ultimately from Christ himself, because Christ is the one who's helping me. Christ is the one who's providing for me. I mean, in verse 17, you have this perfect, wonderful statement by Paul to this church. If you have a look, it says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Even for Paul, as God is providing through this church, Paul is saying, hey, thank you for your gift. It's wonderful. I'm very thanking God for it. But he also knows ultimately it's coming through Jesus Christ 
who's moved in this church, this church understands the gospel, and in their response to that is to give. And Paul's response is, thank you, but I'm so excited. You know for what? The fruit that it's going to produce, the credit that's given to you, how it's going to encourage you in the gospel of grace. So friends, if you're a follower of Jesus, the question even today for you and I is, whose strength are we relying on to be content? in whatever season you are in right now. Whether you're in a season of absolute abundance, and you're very, it's awesome, it's from the Lord to enjoy, but are you content in that season or there's a sense you want more? Or maybe you are in season of want and there's a part of you that's saying it's not fair. Christ is saying to you, look to him. Turn your gaze to the one who wants to strengthen you. Do you know who this one is? Remember in Philippians 2, this is the one, even though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Jesus Christ beautifully, wonderfully, gloriously modeled for us contentment. The Son of God. The word himself, to the point that he even goes to death. So that when you and I put our trust in faith to Christ, we can actually look to him. We can know that in this moment we can say, Jesus, give me the strength to be content in all circumstances. Because you've begun a good work in me. As we read in Philippians. Jesus, give me the strength in all circumstances because I know my home is not here, but I'm a citizen of heaven, as we read in Philippians. This means that in whatever season you're in, abundance or want, we can look to the one, your Savior, who does want to strengthen you. So look to him. Friends, as we grow in looking to the one who will be our strength, did you know it actually becomes a witness to the people around you who do not know Jesus? In that moment when you and I are growing in looking to the one in whatever circumstance in, they'll be looking at you going, hey, why don't you go for that job promotion? Yeah, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to totally ruin your family life and but imagine all the money you're going to earn. Why don't you do that? Well, Christ has given me contentment. Oh, you know, why don't you take that extra job? You know, that means at least if you get that job and those contracts, it will set you up for this. Your name will be get given out to everybody else. You, you would have a bit of a reputation. Why don't you do that? Well, I know if I do that, I probably won't see my family for most of the time. I'll earn a lot of money, definitely, but it'll come at a great cost. Oh, well, let me just tell you, actually, my peace, I'm a citizen of heaven. That means I can find security in Christ. I can look to him. You know what I found really amazing as Wes and Esther were sharing all those stories? Guys with machete and schools and stuff. Wes, how old are you, if you don't mind me asking? 65. So in Aussie culture, 65, usually at that point, there's a word they use. It's called the R word, retirement. Right? Now, I'm not 
bagging out retirement. If you're retired, that's great. You should use it for the glory of God, whatever season you're in. But in that moment, as they're listening to and they're talking about all these stories and they're kind of getting that season in life and people will be saying to them, you know, how's your super going? You know, have you got retirement happening? Right? All good things to think about. But did you hear what um, Esther said later on? She goes, praise the Lord. <laughs> Friends, I know Wes and Esther are giving glory to God, but it's a live example for you and I in whatever season, in whatever circumstances, their strength has been Christ. And that's the only reason why they can praise God. So friends, the secret of contentment for you and I is to turn our gaze away from our own hearts to the one Jesus Christ who will and does promise to strengthen you. So look to him. Secondly, fight with the power of the Holy Spirit and through God's word against the enemy of discontent. By admitting and confessing often when you feel like you're being self-reliant rather than relying on Christ. So preach the gospel to yourself. Remind yourself of God's grace and what he has done. And through that you are strengthened in Christ. What I'm going to do now before the music team comes up, I'm going to give you guys a few minutes just to pause and think. And there's going to be some questions up here on the screen. If you are a grammar person, please forgive me. I may annoy you. But here up on the screen, there are a couple of questions. I want you to just quietly reflect on it to yourself. First, which season of life are you in? Have a think about it. Are you in a season of abundance or a season of feeling like want? I wish you had these things. Ask the simple question, are you content? And then... I want you to spend some time thinking about whose strength are you seeking to be content in? Is it in your own strength? And that can only be revealed by through God, through the Holy Spirit, as you sit quietly and listen and talk. Or are you looking to His strength to be content? So I want to give you that a few minutes now. And in a little bit, the music team's going to come up and then we're going to pray for us. So would you just look at those questions? Be silent, ask the question, and maybe even look at this verse and ask yourself, Whose strength are you relying on to be content? Before the music team comes up, let me just pray. Jesus, I confess my own sin in the moments where I have been discontent. I thank you for being our perfect saviour who displayed what it means to be content ultimately in the will of the Father even to go to the cross on our behalf. We thank you that it didn't end there though. That you are risen and king and that for those of us who have put our faith in you and trust in you that your spirit lives in us and that you're stirring in us and working in us, making us secure in you and continue to make working in us to ultimately continue to grow and being a people that can do all things through you who strengthens us. We thank you for your beautiful promise, even in this letter, that you will supply every need of ours according to your riches and glory in you. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen.